0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. It's Emily here with my co host, Andrew. Hey
1: everybody, we're super excited you are joining us today. Today we have a really cool guest.
0: Her name is Tessa Hotman, and um, she is a results coach, a writer speaker, and she's currently writing a book about the power of darkness, um, which the workbook is called Discover His Purpose, right? Yes, yes. So excited okay. to be here. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, we're excited to talk to you more. Um, Tessa is really passionate about action. Um, As a results coach, that would make a lot of sense. But today we really want to talk to her more about the phrase, faith without works is dead.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so we have Tessa, can you give us a little bit more background of yourself for our listeners' sake?
2: Yes, of course. So um my name is Tessa and I'm originally from the Netherlands. I've traveled all over. I've even lived in the States for a little while, um, moved to South Africa and now I'm planting my roots in New Zealand. And wow. yeah, and um everything like everywhere I've been, like the one constant that remains that I wanted to make everywhere I was a better place. Like I wanted to have some sort of impact, but Coming from a background in hospitality management, that wasn't like the impact that I was looking for. It wasn't changing people's lives as where to actually make a big difference. Like having an awesome meal is one thing, but changing their lives for them to step into their purpose. That is something that I really wanted to achieve and I had no idea how to do that. Um, and I found myself in that same trap, you know. I really feeling like I know that I have a purpose in my life, and I know that I'm meant to be helping people, but no idea how to start or where to start like doing that purpose that I have. So I really feel really connected with the people that I help coming from that struggle of of wanting to step into purpose, not knowing how to reach it. So I did the only thing that I I felt led to do is to really start something myself and to help people um, step into their purpose. So yeah, that's how I started The Vine Dresser, really on on God's calling to, to start my own business. And I did it the drop of a hat, like literally gave in my notice with no savings and no plan and started this company about, I think, 14 months ago.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Uh, real quick follow up question. Um, so for our uh, American listeners, especially American, maybe our Canadian listeners as well. There's kind of a opinion about um, about Europe that it's kind of a not super Christian place. Like there are people who are Christian, but it's, it's you sound a lot more like people from where i am from in southern the southern part of the united states than what we think of when we think of somebody from the netherlands can you talk a little bit about like your your journey to god like were you raised in a really religious family was this something that kind of developed as you were older
2: Mm, very good question actually and it's all of that um I completely agree. Unfortunately, the trend in especially the Netherlands is that there's more non-believers than there are Christians. Um, If there are believers, it's like I was brought up what we call Christmas Catholic. So we would go Mm -hmm. to church like in December, Christmas night mass. And we would like hear the story about Jesus. And that was it. Like that was all I knew about Jesus and the cross. And um, like, that is pretty much what I would say that any believers, obviously it has changed now. Like after mm-hmm. I came back and became a Christian. So I actually became a Christian in America. I went okay. to faith Academy in Mobile, Alabama. And um, I did oh, that wow. for that's me. not too far. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, And I did that for an exchange year and it's always amazing how God has a plan. So, I am the absolute youngest baby in my family and mm-hmm. I just had this long laundry list that I wanted brothers and sisters and I wanted a warm climate and um the foundation actually came back to me it's like listen the only thing we can find is this Christian school would you be willing to pay a bit extra and go to a Christian um high school so I had no idea. It's like sure thing um so God really gripped my heart there. Like, there's a lot of things that happened when I was younger, and I knew nobody there. And for somebody to walk up to me and put the hand on my shoulder and just talk exactly what is going through my through my mind at that moment and what I was struggling with, that could only have been God. So it was such a real experience for me, and I became a Christian when I was 17. Um, but but you're absolutely right. Going back to the Netherlands. There wasn't anything to fall back on. Like there wasn't a church like there, you know, we have praise and worship like we know today that you're hearing on the radio. Like there was none of that. I only had the very Catholic church, like the traditional church, and I didn't feel at home or comfortable there at all. So I kind of fell out of faith, not not out of being a Christian, but out of practicing it in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and now like going to uni, I have found churches that are more and more going towards the more um, faith-based approach, more preaching and um, the gospel and really teaching um, Jesus' teachings. Um, but it's it's definitely not the same as in America or here in New Zealand now, where there is such a culture of really Christianity, Christianity that you can still find it everywhere. You're really right about that.
0: That's really cool. It's really amazing to me too that you've become a Christian and then now you're creating this entire program and your entire career off of Um, Christ-centered content so that's really great that you get to help out people not just there in New Zealand but from all over the world so that's really amazing thank you um one of the things that you were passionate when we talked was that phrase and that verse from the scriptures "Faith, faith without works is dead and what does that really mean to you why is it so important for you
2: to me, and I love to rub people the wrong way. I, I don't. I don't do it on purpose. I'm just sometimes honest. <laughs> I think we get so complacent and comfortable as Christians because we are saved that we almost forget that we have such a greater purpose and responsibility to preach the gospel and really show what being Christian is all about. You know, and it's and it says in the Bible. love your enemies you know bless those who curse you uh, pray for those who accuse you give to those people who beg from you uh, do unto others as you would have do unto you and all those phrases are actually action phrases they're telling us how we should live our lives and how we should set an example because otherwise what are we different from a non-believer? You know, non-believers are also <laughs> judgmental, you know, and then they're being backstabbing and gossiping. So if we stick into that culture, then what are we actually actively doing different than anybody that is not a believer? And yeah. and that comes back from being a coach where I believe, obviously we all believe that everyone has a purpose. Yet we get so comfortable in that little comfort zone that we are in, that we have a stable income and that we have our household sorted, that we almost forget that there is so much more that is meant for us. And we get so afraid, especially in this time, to step out in faith. We forget how big God is because we constantly get pushed into this fear of the the natural, that 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 phrase to me like faith without works is dead is just literally saying like are you stepping out and actively activating your faith every day are you pushing your boundaries so you have to lean into God or are you staying stuck and put where you're at so I hope that kind of yeah. explained or answered your question
1: <laughs> no I love that and I really like this verse because it comes from James oh is it chapter two verse sixteen. I might, I might be misquoting that. I, we'll put the actual <laughs> or the actual uh, reference in there or in the show notes. But in the in this chapter, James is talking about how, yeah, if you have faith and you're not doing anything like that not that's no good mm-hmm. because you know like Satan and demons have faith that Jesus exactly. saved us like they know for like without a doubt that God is God mm-hmm. and that Christ really did everything he did but knowledge and knowing that those things took place or that are that they are real isn't why christ came down and died for us right like he needed us to then take that knowledge and act on it and it's not just like acting in accordance to knowing that because again satan and his demons they're also acting in accordance with their knowledge, but we are choosing to act and choosing to accept Christ as our Savior, not just once, but every day mm-hmm. of our lives. Yeah. And as we act in accor- in uh, accordance with that decision, then we do all those things that you were talking about. We love our enemies. We we lean into God. We we resist cultural influences that try and pull us away from our our Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that 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 part of Scripture.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so for some of us, it is easy to kind of remain in this state of like, well, I have faith, but, but it's hard to act or it's hard to repent, um, or it's hard to show my faith. So what would you say is like the key to overcoming that inaction?
2: Hmm. Well, I think the one thing we need to understand is that we have a brain and that we are not our brain. We are our soul. We are our essence. But we have a brain. And why God gave us that brain is because it does a lot of things for us without us knowing to keep us safe. And and that's the main objective for the brain to keep us safe. So every time we get stuck in inaction, procrastination, or we find ourselves self-sabotaging, like we love to like beat ourselves with a stick, right? Oh, why am I doing this? Why am I so such and such? But I think if we start understanding that it's not actually us in our essence holding ourselves back, but it's our brain keeping us safe. When we start realizing that we can actually start changing that by making the brain work for us and not against us. And that I think is, it's the first main step to overcoming action is starting to understand and and educating yourself of how does my brain actually work and how can I make it work for me. Um, So that is the number one thing that I would say is like to start stepping into educating yourself, how does my brain work and and how can I overcome that in action Um, because there's literally hours and hours of of explanation I can get in. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then creating an action plan to get it out of your head and onto paper will be the first thing that that you can do to overcome that inaction, just to break it down.
0: I like that, getting it onto paper. That really speaks to me because I'm a very visual learner. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm able to see like, "Hey, this is my weakness, this is
2: my action plan written out, that really helps me. Yeah, exactly. And that's so. like, my The title of my program, so there's one group program that I actually offer, and the title is exactly that, Dreamer to Doer, because we all have these ideas and dreams in our head, but why we, we get stuck is because it's so overwhelming because obviously God puts – dreams in our heart that without him we could never accomplish so as long as we keep it there and we only think about it and we're not actually putting it onto paper it just seems so big that we can never even start achieving it but if we start putting it onto paper and breaking it down into these little bite side chunks it starts to feel a bit more doable
1: yeah i I love that and i think something you said earlier really resonated with me the the idea that um, you know we have our brains and we have our bodies and our, our brain chemistry and all that stuff, but that's not mm-hmm. our essence, right? We are spiritual beings having a, a earthly experience. We're not earthly beings having spiritual experiences. Uh, and I really like that because it, it, in a lot of ways, it's this might come out weird, and honey, you can tell me if I'm sounding like an idiot, <laughs> okay. but it's almost like Nick like when you're like training a dog. <laughs> Like you Well, get I've a,
0: never trained a dog, but yes, go Yeah, ahead. <laughs> like you train
1: a dog and you're like, you understand that, okay, he's coming from a place where he, he's like a child and okay. and is not really formed. And then you have to constantly work with them to like train them and help them become better. Yeah. Um And you see them for their like
0: potential.
1: Ooh. And, but like, our, we can kind of treat our own bodies as that, in that way, right? Mm-hmm. That we are like. It's like we are different than our bodies.
0: We're training our brains. We're training our our bodies. It's like
1: we have control. We have like dominion over Mm -hmm. our bodies. And we can can control it or we can let our bodies just do whatever they want. And then it's like a dog that you haven't trained at all. And
2: I think you're actually hitting the nail on the head there because the first like – when we go way back when into our development, um, we actually got our primitive cortex first, which is the very basic part of our brain that um, runs our instincts. So it's funny that you actually describe it or or like say it's kind of like a dog, which it is, right? Because Mm -hmm. We need to train that primitive cortex. It's all about our instinct, our fight or flight. Like, is there any danger? Is there any suspicion to what you are wanting to achieve? So, that in itself, you you are saying it perfectly. We can train that part or address those triggers. Definitely,
1: right? Well, like God made these amazing bodies for us these amazing vehicles but they come with some pre-programming right that we have to learn how to control and so i love this idea of educating ourselves and and kind of understanding the programming of these wonderful bodies that god has given us Uh, and instead of being mad about the programming being different than how we would have done it like understanding how it works how the body works why things are the way they are and then uh addressing it uh from like a very I don't say like calculated p- uh, perspective, but understanding that like, this is the way that God has programmed mm-hmm. these bodies for whatever reasons, the way it works. And so if we can understand that, then mm-hmm. we can address it and we don't have to feel awful. If we, we don't have to feel like we're terrible creatures or we're terrible beings because we are, we're impatient mm-hmm. sometimes, or we are quick to anger or whatnot. Like we can recognize that that's kind of part of a natural process mm-hmm. and we can overcome it or we can, we can address it, but it doesn't define us.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. I think sometimes we need to cut ourselves some slack that we're still molding, and like God, would God, we go from glory to glory, and we will never reach our end destination until we get to heaven. So we kind of just need to deal with being imperfect for our entire lives.
1: Hmm. Yep. There, there's there's a, a great verse um, to. Tess, I don't know if you know us. We're, we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. And so we read, we read the Bible and we revere it as, as the Word of God, but we also believe in the Book of mm-hmm. Mormon. Uh, and there's a verse in the Book of Mormon. Uh, it's in a book called Ether. Um, and it talks about how God gives us our weaknesses. And he gives us weaknesses that we may be humble and turn to him and rely on him. And so that so, we can be
0: stronger. Yeah,
1: so that we can be stronger in the long run by relying on hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And so this, this idea kind of speaks to what we're talking about right now. I think that's really cool. Yeah.
2: I mean, 100, and I love it. Like Joyce Myers, I was just listening to a sermon now and she was also saying, you know, without, without grief, there wouldn't be any recognition of joy. And that's the same with like strengths and weaknesses. If we wouldn't have any weaknesses, we wouldn't count anything else as strength as well. There always needs to be a balance of things in order to recognize the things that we stand out in.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely.
2: Yeah. Um.
0: So once we have our action plan, um, I mean, it can be kind of scary to look at that action plan and think like, oh my gosh, I have to do this now. Um, And I feel like I've struggled with procrastination <laughs> in the past, especially through school, um, high school and college. Um, and I feel like I'm getting better at it now, maybe because I'm not in school. Maybe it's the assignments <laughs> I was procrastinating. But um, how would you say would i mean what would you say is the key or the best principle that you've learned for overcoming that procrastination
1: and maybe before we get to the key of overcoming procrastination or we talk about why we procrastinate
2: that's actually and i was (laughs) that's funny that you mentioned i was actually going to step into that because if we don't understand why we are procrastinating then we can't overcome it because it can be either of three things as i've mentioned our brain works a certain way and there's three main roadblocks that lead us into procrastination. And the first one I've already mentioned, which is your instincts, right? So the way we formulate our goal is actually going to help us avoid procrastination. So have we thought about the triggers, like I said, such as danger, suspicion, does the goal sound boring? All those things will trigger our brain into making us want to procrastinate. So if you haven't formulated your goal correctly, your instincts are going to be triggered. Then secondly, you can look at imagination, which is your limiting beliefs. So what has caused this limiting belief to come up? It can be an experience in the past. It can be things that your peers or your parents have told you over and over again. And for you, that has become a reality like Uh, An awesome example is um, people that come from richer or from poorer backgrounds. If you say to a person who comes from a lower class income that they're going to make a million dollars this month, they're going to say it's absolutely impossible, right? And if you say on the other hand, if you say to a member of the Hilton family, they're going to make a million dollars this month, they're going to see it as a bad month because they make that in a week. So, all those things are, mm-hmm. are beliefs that are formed mainly in our childhood, but also traumatic events that happen to us and, and all those sorts of experiences. And then the last thing that can get us to procrastinate is actually our intelligence, funny enough. So, we have now developed into these super intelligent um, beings, but it can also work against us when we start over analyzing things. So, I'm sure. Um, that that Emily maybe that sounds familiar for you like the what ifs you know what if this goes or what if that us women are amazing in in thinking our dreams to death so if that is the part you get stuck like the pros and cons (laughs) list then then you can address those but knowing in which roadblock you get stuck will help you then overcome procrastination so that is the the first part of the answer
0: yeah no I'm so glad that Andrew, you asked, like, why do we procrastinate? I'm so glad, Tessa, that you were able to answer all those things because my instinct was just like, oh, people procrastinate because mm. they're scared, because that's how I feel. But I didn't even realize that there's so many other reasons why someone would
2: procrastinate. So I'm so glad we touched on that.
1: Yeah. So I was paying so much attention to the second and the third reasons that I forgot the first one. So can you review the re- the first yes, reason? One yeah. More time? So yes,
2: yeah. So Emily mentioned the first one. So fear, that is a um, flight or fight or flap. I'm getting very tangled in my words here. fight or flight response. So that is that primitive cortex that I mentioned in the first bit. So that is really the first thing where we get stuck, the fear of, of things not working out because the, the goal sounds dangerous to our brain. So our instinct is the first mm-hmm. one. Like, for example, if something seems dangerous to you, your heart rate could quicken, right? Or um you Mm -hmm. just really start feeling that your breath is getting um, very out of control those things are all the instinct kicking in and then that's where fear comes from but when we come to the more developed parts of our brain then imagination and intelligence play a part so i hope that answers i know it's very complicated i'm trying to cram this into one little podcast
1: no no i think you've done a good job you've done a very good job kind of succinctly uh, talking about that, so what do you think would be is the hardest reason or why for procrastination that is mm-hmm. which which of these issues is the hardest to overcome, or are they all equally difficult
2: Well I think they're actually equally simple um, they all have, <laughs> they all have their own um own how to call it action plan to overcome it? It is just actually putting the time and effort to to really realizing which one is for you, and then making sure that that you wire your brain um, in such a way that that procrastination is overcome. Because what procrastination is actually is is our brain not understanding why it needs to make that goal a reality. So that could, for example, mm-hmm. be it doesn't understand why reaching that goal will get you more of a certain value that you hold. So a very good example is for me, becoming a successful author is an ability to talk more about God, which is for me one of my most important values or uh, my value to be able to change people's lives. So as, when you start wiring those – and. Again, wiring is quite a complex thing, but to simplify it, it's really putting more insulation around new pathways that you create in your brain in order for the information to run faster from A to B. And the pathway that is insulated the most is going to be the path of least resistance, which your brain is going to want to follow. So if we wire the desired pathway in such a way, that it becomes most um, efficient. Our brain is always going to choose that. So it's going to help us form new habits and it's going to help us reach our goals faster.
1: Right. I love this because, um, you know, physiologically our, our our whole developmental structure is designed Mm -hmm. to keep us safe. Right. Um, And generally it's, the safest thing is the thing that you know, at least that's kind of how we've developed. And so, and so when we, uh, when we feel these feelings of like of anxiety or frustration or anger or, or or we're scared, it's because uh, we are leaving a place where we feel like we know everything and we're entering into a new zone where something about our environment or our lives or our friends or whatever it is, Mm. is different. Um, and our our bodies and our our brains kind of react neg- negatively to that, and it's it's it doesn't want yeah. to develop those new neural pathways. But it's if you uncomfortable. Can, it's uncomfortable. And then, but as you as you put yourself in new situations, you engage new parts of your brain, and and your brain will start developing those things. You just have to have the willpower to tell your body mm-hmm. to keep. Well, going. I
2: love that you make the distinction because. It is our brain that is threatened because our brain remembered that when it was in that comfort zone, you were still alive, right? So by keeping you in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. your brain is is getting its task done, which is keeping you safe. So that's where that emotional tension comes from. Remember, we are body, mind, and soul. So our soul knows that it needs to be somewhere else, that it's being pulled towards a greater purpose. But because our brain hasn't been there yet, it is now threatened and is going to try everything to keep you away from it. So that's where we feel that emotional tension, you know, wanting to be happy and content, but knowing that we need to be somewhere else. So I love that you make that distinction because it's really important to understand that it's our brain that wants to keep us in our comfort zone, but it's actually our soul, which is created by God, pulling us towards something that is so much bigger
1: yeah. I think so so I Emily probably what wants it? to move on, but I loved diving oh, no, into no. this topic. Keep uh, on going, you yeah. S- so there there's a, a some really cool imagery about this specific topic, uh, in the story of Abraham. Uh so he was I mean, he was in his like sixties, right? When he he felt mm-hmm. called by God to leave to leave his home. So he's like sixty-eight, he's married, and he and his nephew are like like they felt the pull of God to leave their their homeland, uh, and so like you imagine like the body or like the mind saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like we've been doing this for sixty eight years. Everything's been the same. It's all been pretty chill. Like we've liked this. Like we're doing very, fairly well. Uh, but then they felt that that spiritual pull and tug from God to leave. Uh, and then he, Abraham, you know. Kind of hopped around like he went to Egypt and and the and Pharaoh wanted to take his wife and then he had to go to Canaan and then he ended up having to fight this war to save Lot and then he was just bouncing all over the place, um, and his mind was, uh, you know, I'm imagining if he was anything like us, which we know he was, like he. Want, he was probably scared of the newness but God saw so much more potential for him and so he pulled him out of that mm. safety zone even when yes. he was 68 and I love
2: that you mention age mm. because so many people that, that I speak to are like no I'm too old to start something new I'm too old And the, but the truth is if you are still alive then God has a purpose for you because if you're done with your purpose then it's time right. to go to heaven and live a much better life, right? But we're struggling still in this life because he still has a plan for our lives. So really, if that's like something that anybody's listening is struggling with, like I really recommend uh, A Trip Around the Sun. I don't know if you've heard about the book, but it is um, two Mm -hmm. pastors actually writing that. And the one is already in his seventies and he is so still full of life and he has all these plans and he's actually describing how he is, I'm hiring this coach, right? Because he has so many goals that he still wants to achieve, and I love that because he understands who he is in God, and that if he is still alive, and there's still so much more purpose to go for, and still have so many goals to achieve. So I really like that. Brother, brother, I wanna.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, if you are, if any of you guys are listening and you and you feel that worry, remember Moses left Egypt when he was 40 and became a shepherd and then got called back to Egypt to be a prophet Mm. when he was 80. So whatever phase of life you're in, God has a plan.
0: I'm impressed that you know all the ages of these things. I'm like, wow.
1: I was just reading this. Don't think that I'm that smart. I was like reading this not too long ago. It's
0: impressive. Well, I think that's really an awesome transition into self-sabotage, which we've talked a little bit about during the episode, but also before, um, recording this, um, through just yeah. our email exchanges, Tessa, but I mean, procrastination and inaction mm-hmm. are forms of self-sabotage themselves. And we talk ourselves out of, um, achieving our goals. I think I really like the phrase you said, we talk our dreams yeah. to death. Yeah, that we think dreams to
2: death. <laughs>
0: yeah, we totally do that. We, we, we feel like we can't achieve them. And so we, we kind of, Just that thought that we can't do this, that's self-sabotage. So what else do you have to teach us a little bit
2: about? Yeah, so definitely, as you mentioned, they are just different parts of self-sabotage. And we also need to understand, again, why are we self-sabotaging? Because like you said, a lot of people think it's fear, right? And funny enough, people think it's fear of failure. But most people are actually scared of their success, Like, what are my friends going to think when I actually succeed? Are they still going to like me? Do I still belong? Is there still, do I still have that same control that I used to have? Or am I going to be pulled out of, of, out of this life that I know? So a lot of times we actually fear our greatness more than we fear our failures. I can
0: see that actually thinking about like my own personal goals. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's so right. It's not. Really, my fear of failure, yes, I fear failure a little bit, but it's really like, okay, well, what if I do it? Am I going to be able to handle what that means like
2: so yeah, so that's that's, really cool. that's a main thing and and also understanding our values and this is a very tricky subject to to speak to Christians about because there's some there's things that are called our golden values, which is our um for example our patience, our desire to make a difference, you know, our um, need to make people feel good and really want to be hospitable. Those are all our golden values. But there is shadow sides to us as well. And I mention these every time because they're the most powerful drivers to our goals. Um, And when we understand ourselves and are comfortable with those shadow values, we can use them to overcome self-sabotage because all self-sabotage is that our Minds know that they are getting a certain value met in the old habit like a really good example is depression a lot of people struggle to get out of depression because they get attention from it or they get to belong to the group of depressed people and it sounds really terrible to say but we all have Mm -hmm. these deep needs inside of us it can be the need for belonging it can be the need for attention and they're not bad things because if we use them in the end for a win-win situation, like I have that driver, the need for attention, but it is a win-win because it drives me to be a good speaker. It drives me to be a good coach. It drives me to write books. So it helps me achieve those goals. So when we Become comfortable with those values. We actually can overcome self sabotage. So again, probably not the answer that you were expecting, but it's all about the inner work that we need to do to truly understand ourselves. And often we are scared about those like shadow sides of us. But in the end of the day, God already knows. So why, but why be scared about it?
1: So if I'm understanding right, so these shadow values are the there are motivations that we generally don't want to admit, right? It's like self aggrandizement or those are the things that are fitting in now
2: in in our society deem self-centered or egotistical. But the funny thing is, if you look at God, ask the question, does he like to be the center of attention? Yes, he does. Does he like to control things? Yes, he does. So it's not, that those things don't exist or that God doesn't show those traits. So it's a very interesting topic to talk about.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, especially when you look at the fact that, um, you going back to this idea that we shared earlier from the book of Mormon that, uh, we believe that God has given us our weaknesses to keep us humble. So we have to keep going back to him and we, so we can rely on him. Uh, A lot of those kind of shadow weaknesses, shadow shadow, what did you call them? Shadow values. Shadow values are kind of built into Mm -hmm. us physiologically. Like our brain is developed to where we we need we we have like a a physiological Mm -hmm. need to be part of a group. And so if you have a physiological need to be part of a group, you're going to have strong emotional desires to be liked by the group. I mean, because we're our bodies are developed such that we we know that we are have a greater chance of survival with a group than individually, uh, and so we have all of these chemicals going through us that are geared to ha- make us desire things like like uh, being part of a group and being valued, uh, being seen as successful, uh, and we're kind of hardwired for that, uh, and so that that's just going to be kind of part of the package. Uh, and i think if if it turns out that we're not supposed to have any of those things then the lord's going to have to do some <laughs> purifying after this thing because i don't no, think exactly we can get rid and
2: of and as anymore. you mentioned but, that you know that's the beauty of it the more we accept those things the less the need for them so for for example people that are complete control freaks the more that we are okay with it and it's like okay, well, let me see how reaching my goal will allow me to gain more control. The more we actually wire that and accept that that's part of who we are, the, the lesser need we have for, it the more we can let it go.
1: I, I really like this idea of shadow values. So, can you maybe list? A yeah, few definitely.
2: So, um, and these are not the things that are going to be very really fun to hear. Um, but a lot of us have the need for authority or um, the need to feel superior, so to feel better than somebody else, Um, we can have the need for validation. Like how often do you put a lot of emphasis on what other people say about you, but also in reverse, how often do we not achieve our potential because of the negative things we say about ourselves? So validation is also a very important one. Um, And when it comes to the need to belong, both the need to belong and the need to be rebellious are the two main values that drive people to start smoking. So that in itself can be a whole episode of why we actually change our internal biology to allow us to inhale poison so we can actually feel like we belong to a group. So they are super, super powerful drivers that if we understand them can help us achieve those
0: goals. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I am learning so much and I think our listeners are too. Um, it's time to all just go <laughs> and achieve our goals. Yeah. I was thinking, um,
2: thinking yeah.
1: last thing about this hun, I'm so yeah, sorry. no, you're okay. Um I, I think I, I really like this idea of kind of a recognizing this our mm-hmm. our shadow values uh, and coming to terms with them. I don't know if this is what the Lord meant when he was talking to Paul, when he talked about like to stop, when he told Paul to stop kicking against the pricks, Um, which basically a thing saying like, oh yeah, so you have these issues. And it's like, stop kicking them. Like, don't aggravate them. Like, you know, they're there. You don't need to kick them over and over again. Um, And so uh, I was thinking about that, how we, we have these issues. And I went through a period where I felt I was just this terrible person because I did have this, this, Desire for aggrandizement, oh. for feeling superior, uh, and or I guess I, I do still have that, and in, and I went through a period where I thought, oh man, I just must I must be this terrible person because I have this desire mm-hmm. that keeps cropping up, um, and instead, uh, eventually, I reached a point where I'm like, okay, so I have this desire, but instead of, like trying to tell myself I don't have it or beat myself up because I, I I have this desire that's, that's there. I say, I've been trying to convince myself that, Hey, like, so this is part of my motivation, uh, but I'm going to try and focus on making a greater portion or fraction of my motivation, be (laughs) something more holy or be things that I, 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 I think are more in line with the will of God. And I move forward with that. And then as I do that, and don't focus so much on the shadow values know that they're there but don't focus so much on them i found that i the portion of my motivation i guess that is based Hmm. on those shadow values has gone down It's still there but it's not as as prevalent
2: if i'm wrong here probably when you were in that state of mind really beating yourself up over i'm such a terrible person i have all these bad traits like how much were you holding yourself back were you actually like Stepping boldly into your purpose, were you doing the things you are meant to be doing, or were you pulling back because you felt unworthy of of your purpose and like you couldn't show yourself? Whereas, where now that you have accepted them and instead decide to focus on what you can do and the things that you are good at and use that to advance as kingdom, you are progressing much more. Like I could be completely wrong, but I'm um, that's what happened.
1: No, no, that, that's, that's definitely right. And I, I think the main reason that I'm thinking of that that is correct is yeah, I just have so much more emotional energy to invest in other areas of life when I'm not spending it on obsessing over yes, these shadow I values. So, um, so I, I can, I can take that. Yeah. Yeah. I can take that uh, energy and say, yeah, so I was spending, you know, all this energy and time that was, and it was making me unhappy on this thing. Because I can't succeed at getting rid of these shadow values completely, right? Uh, at least not in, I haven't been able to yet. Maybe I will at some point, but not yet. Uh, uh, and I don't think we will in this life. Um, and so then I was able to take that energy and then put it towards my righteous goals. And I was much happier and I felt like I was much more successful in building up the kingdom. And a lot of this happened when I was a missionary for the for our church, actually. And so I saw a huge difference in my my missionary labor mm,
0: that's as awesome. I made that switch. That's really great, babe. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. listening to your stories. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so for a lot of us, 2020 has mm-hmm. been a crazy train ride, and um, we all— I remember when we all started the year, it was like 2020, it's going to be the best year. It's the year of vision, the play on on words for 2020 vision kind of thing. Um, And then kind of everything just fell apart or I don't know, you know, all the things. Went kaput. So for a lot of us, it's been a year of fear and waiting and feeling out of control. So what would you say to the listener who's waiting and procrastinating their goals and kind of pushing them? to a, a more stable time,
2: a more time that will be more comfortable and hmm. more predictable. Well, the only thing so, I can say is that the only constant is change. So if it's not going to be COVID, there's going to be another curveball that, that is thrown at you, you know. So I would just say do what you would have done if true. COVID didn't happen because nothing changed for God. He's not surprised by COVID. Yes, we didn't see it coming, but he already knows what's coming today, tomorrow, and the day after so why wait so we can have more certainty when God already knows what's around the corner?
0: That's so true. Yeah. I love that. Well, and,
1: love and if you're doing anything worthwhile, it's kind of built off Tessa's point. If you're doing anything worthwhile, especially if you're doing it worth, something worthwhile with God, it's going to involve uncertainty, right? It's going to involve God... Telling you to leave your, like, leave your family like Abraham and go into the wilderness and go into these strange lands and, uh, or be like Moses and be called to, like, jump around place to place and, like, take on these different roles or to be like John the Baptist and go live in the wild. Uh, uh, And so, like, no, I don't think there's any example in scripture that I can think of where someone was embarking on the will of the Lord hand in hand with him. uh, And they lived like a life that was stable and that was completely Mm -hmm. normal didn't have any issues. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And,
1: and, and that's like, and the stability might be, how I say this, like the Lord might not call us to do things as drastic as, as many of the prophets in, in the Bible, but like, they're still going, he's always going to introduce change because Mm, change is an agent for growth. And God's all about us growing. He doesn't want us to sit and be still. I, we, I guess he, he does tell us <laughs> yeah. to be still, but that's a different context, right? He wants right. us to grow and be calm and peaceful about it, but he wants us to always be growing and changing. And so he's going to introduce
2: change. Yeah, and, exactly. And I think looking in nature, we actually see that example, that pre- because in nature, there's only two states, right? Either nature is growing or it's dying. Like there is no stagnant space. And the way God gets, nature to evolve and develop is by introducing change to the environment. Look at the era of an ice age, for example, where where new things develop and grow. And I'm not saying it's this extreme, and I'm not saying that God has put COVID in the world, but I'm saying, what if? What if he is testing you? See how big your faith is, that even when things might not seem like it in the natural, are you still willing to step out in faith and give it a go if God put that dream on your heart. You know, how big is your faith? And I think mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, he is never going to allow for us to get take on any more than we can actually carry. So why wait if we know that he's always in our corner? Like for me, that just doesn't make sense.
0: Right. No, I love that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it just kind of made me think that yes, if we were inspired to do something from God before we found out about COVID, then we're we should still be inspired because God wasn't surprised by it, he knew it was coming. So he meant for us to continue on our dreams. So I like that.
1: Right. And 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 even if we haven't felt specifically called of God to fulfill some goal, um you know, I'm thinking about the parable of the talents that the Savior gives. And he gave people talents, and then he expected them to act on them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he doesn't have to come and tell you specifically, like, like hey, Emily, like, you specifically need to do this with your talents. Like, right. in, in the parable of the talents, he gave <laughs> them their talents, and then he kind of left. And then mm-hmm. it came back, yeah. and it's like, hey, guys, like, what have you done with the stuff I gave you? Uh, and so even if you haven't felt specifically called to do something, know that the Lord does expect us to...
0: Continue in our talents and our
1: yeah and so if you if you are worried about about whether or not like you've the lord has called you to do anything specific like realize like he's given you life Mm. and so he expects you to progress and he's investing
2: it i just love that you mentioned like if you are worried about like making the wrong choice or the wrong step you know it's this it's like this image of a crossroad like you're standing there and you're just like paralyzed almost should I go right should I go left what am I doing and I just I just have the feeling like take a step in either direction because even if it's the wrong direction God will never allow you to go down a path you can't come back from so even if it's the wrong direction just take a step and God you know it's like a GPS if you're going in the right direction you might not hear from him so just keep going until when you make a wrong turn, he'll tell you make a U turn and take the next right. Now he's going to correct you in that. Mm-hmm. So, so don't be scared to take a step
1: or maybe perhaps you're at a crossroads and either of the turns will get you the direction he needs you to go. Cause you, you might only see the crossroads, but the, you don't know what those roads are doing, you know, a mile down. Like they could both mm-hmm. turn towards the direction you need to go and, if you just sit there yeah, and wait, no, nothing exactly. going to and,
2: happen. And just like a little, I always love to drop this little piece into people's minds. Like during the 2008 recession, both Uber and Airbnb were founded. So sometimes like the greatest risks yield the biggest reward. So if, if that is something that you've been waiting for, maybe then this is the opportunity.
1: That's awesome. All right, Tessa, thank you so much for being with us. And we want to give you a few minutes. Uh, I know we're almost done to talk about uh your workbook. If I remember right, it's yes, called correct. Discover His Purpose.
0: So mm-hmm. So yeah, tell
2: us a little bit about the workbook and then how we can yeah. find it. So how the workbook really came from a passion and desire to to help women find their purpose Um, and obviously for any guy feeling drawn to it it's definitely also available for them but it's just really I feel as the world needs females to step up they need the female softness they need the female fierceness to really come out and really take a bold step now and that's why I, I created that workbook because often we get so lost in in the big idea of purpose where purpose can be a multitude of little things. So the workbook is really just to help you get clear on what are really my values and what do I find the most important in this life? Because those are God's little, like, Um, little hints to us what we should be doing with our lives so as you you get clear on your values and and on your vision and your big why and the workbook will help you formulate that into into a vision of, of purpose so it's just really breaking it down, as I mentioned before, just breaking it down into something that feels more doable and achievable and then really giving you some tools. There's um, journaling prompts and there's so a prayer journaling and um, there's the values track in there to help you get get clear um, on what it is that you find important. So it's really just super, super usable. Like I, I don't like too much theory. I want it to be applicable. So the, the workbook's just really to help you set uh, set your first step. Like you said, I'm very passionate about action. These are just a few steps in the right direction. Um, where you can find it, it's on my website, um, thevinedresser.com. You can find it there and sign up for the workbook, or you can go and click on Dreamer to Doer, which is um, the new program, which will also explain those steps on how to start living a life you love by doing what you love and and simply that just means doing what you are created to do so i hope that um kind of helps you and otherwise i'm sure you'll put the website in the show notes um yeah that that was me yes, do that. thank <laughs> you That's so
0: awesome. so much we're so no, glad we got to thank have you on thank you for on, having Vanessa. me Emily,
1: what is your take? Do you have a takeaway?
0: Yeah, my biggest takeaway. And honestly, I can't get it out of my head. I just like never considered that the fear that I have and I'm thinking of like a specific goal that I have right now, but that my fear could be (laughs) that it might work, (laughs) you know, like that that I might succeed. Um, And then like, what would that mean for me? So I'm really just grateful to you, Tessa, for sharing that that is, one reason why people procrastinate and that is a potential fear and it is totally mine. So I'm just grateful that my eyes have been a little bit more open to my own brain.
1: Yeah. I I think my biggest takeaway, everyone could probably guess based off how much I talked about (laughs) it. I I love this idea of
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: shadow values. values because it is a concept that I have had kind of in my brain, but I hadn't ever come up with a term to describe it. Uh, so I'm really grateful. Now I have a, a fancy new term to describe describe this concept. I think it's something really powerful. It goes back to the idea that we discussed at the beginning about how we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, right? So we, we are spiritual children of our Heavenly Father, and he's given us these bodies mm. that kind of come pre-programmed. Uh, and so we have to learn how to operate with those things, or, with all the pre-program or all the programming. And there are some shadow values kind of built into the programming that in general help us stay alive. Uh, but as we try and you know, do these righteous things and we try and uh, fulfill the Lord's will, we feel those program shadow values come out and we've, we feel bad about ourselves. But as we interact with those appropriately, um, we can hmm. utilize them to help us become better. Uh, and we can get to a place where we're happier and we're able to apply our energy in exactly. more effective ways. Cool. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Love it's that good love takeaway. That. All right. Well, we will definitely um, put everything that Tessa talked about in show notes Mm -hmm. uh if you guys have feel felt inspired or moved by anything she said please go check her out Uh, i know we're definitely gonna be checking her out after this Um, and
0: if you feel like this episode spoke to you or you're thinking of a friend that might benefit from it go ahead and share it with them too
2: okay
1: all right guys well we really appreciate you
0: keep the faith keep
1: doing good things
0: see ya